Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Church, I am so excited because we are kicking off a brand new series that we have been praying about for quite a while. It's called The Extreme Life. God wants you to live an extreme life. He doesn't want you living an ordinary, average, barely making it by, holding on for dear life kind of life. No, he wants you living an extreme, over the top. And Ephesians 3.20, more than you could even imagine or dream kind of life. That's what he has for you. A key verse for our series is found in Ephesians chapter one, uh, verse 18. Let me, let's read it together. Look what it says here. It says, I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light. I pray that you understand, he says, so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given, God has given to those he has called. I also pray that you will understand, here we go, the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. I'm praying that you get it, that this is the same mighty power that raised Christ up from the dead. So Paul is saying here, I want you to understand, like I'm praying that your eyes will open up and that you will begin to see that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available for you. So why would you settle for anything less? Why would we settle for average or normal or just getting by when we have that kind of power available to us, spirit-filled You think Red Bull or some monster energy drink is the power you need to get through your day? No, 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 God's got something so much more in store for you. So the question is then why are people living so far below what God intended for them to live? I'm gonna look today at an extreme story about an extreme encounter in the Word of God. Our story actually revolves around the extreme life of the prophet Ezekiel. And his adventure doesn't begin on a rocky mountain or high in the clouds somewhere. It actually starts in a valley where God gives him a vision. The Spirit of the Lord leads Ezekiel into the middle of a desolate valley. All along the ground is scattered with piles and piles of dry bones. And in this valley, God asks the prophet this question. Ezekiel, can these bones live? Can these bones live? What a strange question. How do you even begin to answer a question like that? Ezekiel gazing out at this pile of skeletons responds to the Lord and says, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. So God commands Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life and I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin and I will put my breath in you and you will come to life. Though a wild request 
Ezekiel does exactly as he is commanded and he begins to prophesy and his words begin to fill the empty space and there's a, a trembling that is felt in the valley, a noise, a rattling as, as bones begin to move and come together. Skeleton units are formed and tendons and flesh take shape around the bones. I bet it is a sight unlike anything Ezekiel has ever seen. Both mesmerizing and mortifying all at the same time. But these bones were still lifeless. They laid there without breath in their lungs. No longer just bones, but still without life. So God instructs Ezekiel further, prophesy to the breath and say to it, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So Ezekiel prophesies as the spirit commands and suddenly a mass <gasps> inhale. Breath enters the lungs as this fleet of flesh stand to their feet, a vast and mighty army. And then God tells Ezekiel, son of man, these bones are my people. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. Therefore, prophesy to them, my people, and say, I'm gonna open up your graves and I'm gonna bring you up from them. And then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Okay, that had to be the coolest reading of any Bible story we've ever done here. Can we do this every week? I mean, smoke and lights and wow. Now you might be thinking, Todd, that is really a weird story in the Bible, right? You might also be wondering, what in the world would a valley full of dry bones have to do with me today? I would venture to say that it has everything to do with you and with me. Because what is embedded in the vision that Ezekiel gets in this valley is the very thing God wants to give to you and me. Something unexpected, something that is supernatural. God has that for us. You see, there's nothing more lifeless than a pile of dry bones. Nothing more hopeless and dead than some dry bones. And yet, if I were to be honest, there are times in our lives when parts of our lives look like these bones. All dried up, hope is gone. Could be a relationship where trust dried up. A marriage where the love dried up. A dream that is dead. A prayer that hasn't been prayed, a business that, that dried up long before your intended time, a, a doctor's report that has sapped you of all hope and all life. And it's into those very things that, that God wants to prophesy a new word in you. That word prophecy or to prophesy just means to declare the word of the Lord, to say and to speak what the Lord says. So I just want to stop in the middle of this sermon and talk to anybody who might be facing an impossible situation in your life. I want to prophesy what the word of the Lord says. And the word of the Lord says that nothing is impossible for God. That if you're facing an impossible, hopeless situation like this, that that's exactly where God likes to get started. In fact, before it looks like this, you don't even need God. You can do it yourself. 
But when it's impossible, that's where God shows up. In fact, it says in Luke 1, 37, once you say this with me out loud at all of our campuses, nothing is impossible with God. Say it again, nothing is impossible with God. So I don't care how dried up it looks, how hopeless it may feel. Today, we're gonna speak life, new beginnings, new hope, fresh starts in the word of God. And for those of you that you're not in a valley of dry bones today, everything's looking good in your life, can I just tell you, this word that God wants to speak is for you too. He wants to show you something in here. So there's a few things that jump out to me in this story. The first is we don't know how these bones got here. Like we don't, we, we can't read what, what led to this pile of bones. Did they get themselves in this situation? Did they drag themselves out to this valley or did, did somebody bring them here uh, by, by, by hurting them and, and throwing them in this place of despair and discouragement and they've just been left here? We don't, we don't know how they got there. But regardless, we don't read in the scriptures any judgment for the bones. Nowhere do we see God say to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Tell those bones how pathetic they are. What, what in the world, you sorry bones? How did you get here? What did you do? Didn't you know better? How could you get yourself in a valley? No, 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 nowhere in the scripture do we read judgment for the bones. All we read is hope and life and new beginnings. And so I wanna tell you something today, that if you find yourself in a place that's a little dry today, if there's an area in your life that's a little bit, you're overwhelmed with the situation, you're not gonna get judgment from me today. But I am gonna ask you the same question that God asked Ezekiel. Can those dry bones live? Those dry bones in your life, can, can, they, can they live again? Can that marriage live again? Can, can that relationship breathe again? Can, can that prayer that you stop praying, can you start praying it again? Can you start dreaming? Can these bones live? Now, by the way, when God asks Ezekiel that question, it's not because God didn't know what the bones could do, what he could do with the bones. He, it wasn't like he was trying to figure something out. He was actually trying to help Ezekiel figure something out. To understand what he could do with a pile of, of dry bones, can these bones live? It is a question that will challenge your faith. It'll, it'll force you to make a choice. Am I gonna go by what I feel and what I sense and what I, what I hear other people saying or am I gonna go by what, what God is saying? So I ask you again in your life, in the things in your life that might feel a little dried up today, can those bones live? In this story, I believe there are two powerful truths of revelation that help you answer the question. The first is the power of prophecy. The power of prophecy. To prophesy means to boldly declare the word of the Lord. And can I just tell you, you do not need to be an Old Testament prophet to prophesy. You can speak and declare the word of the Lord over any problem, any situation, over your family, over your children, any and every situation. You can declare the words of God. Your words matter. What you say, what you speak matters. Do you know that? Proverbs 18, 21, a verse we've shared many times, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. Look at those last two words. What does that say? Yeah. You choose. 
You choose what word you're going to speak over your life. Your words have power, but can I tell you the word of God is a superpower. If our words have power to bring life, to bring life or death, how much more than, how much more power than does God's word have? Speaking the word of God over the circumstances. Look, look what prophecy looks like in this story. God says it, then Ezekiel says it, then God makes it happen. It's not confusing. God says it, then Ezekiel says it, then God makes it happen. Can I tell you what we're talking about right now when it comes to the, the power of the prophetic? It is not some name it and claim it, blab it and grab it theology. That is not what it is. It is about you aligning your life with the word of God and literally aligning your words with God's word. And when you align your word with God's words, let me tell you, you get in sync with the creator, you get in step with heaven, you're gonna go some places you never thought you'd go, do some things you never thought you'd do, live a life you never thought you could live. I can't tell you, I could spend the rest of my time talking about all the times where I began to change my circumstance by changing my words. Especially in this last year, I don't have to go back very far. I was saying, oh, I don't know how we're gonna make it. Oh, it's never been this bad. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's, oh, oh, now, now that happened. Oh, and I was actually declaring something very negative over my situation and over the circumstances. And I had to stop myself and say, wait a minute, Todd, what does God's word say? God's word says that I am more than a conqueror. That means I'm gonna conquer through this and he's gonna be with me. God's word says that no weapon formed against you is gonna prosper. So you can stand in confidence and faith when you declare that, that God will supply all of my needs so I can look to him and not look to the circumstances. And as I began to change what I was saying, my circumstances didn't immediately change, but man, my spirit changed. I went from fear to faith. I went from, oh dear, to expectation. God, how are you gonna show up? There is power in the prophetic. But for the rest of the time today, I wanna to focus on the second revelation that I see in this scripture. In fact, we are gonna spend the next several weeks unpacking this one foundational truth because it is foundational to you living the extreme life that God wants you to live. In fact, without this, you cannot and will not live the extreme life God has for you. It starts to reveal itself in verse four. The Lord speaks to Ezekiel and says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons and make flesh come to you and cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life. That word breath in the Hebrew is ruach. Ruach, which is the same word for Holy Spirit. I will put ruach, my spirit, in you and you will come to life. It was the ruach of God in Genesis chapter one, in chapter one, verse two, when God was forming the heavens and the earth at creation, it says, and the spirit of God, the ruach of God, was hovering over the waters of the deep. In Exodus 15, it was the ruach of God that blew the Red Sea and parted it so that the Israelites could cross over onto dry ground. I could go on and on in the New Testament. It is the wind and the breath of God that actually blows in the upper room in Acts chapter two and fills the people with the presence and the power of God. We need the breath of God. Here's what I want you to understand. When the wind begins to blow, everything begins to change. When the wind begins to blow, every time I read it in the scripture, everything begins to change. 
Even in this valley of dry bones, yes, before the wind of the spirit blew, there was some rattling, some coming together, some skin and muscles started to look better, but they were still dead, right? Look at verse seven. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise and a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Outwardly, things were looking good. Outwardly, things were starting to look a little bit better. But inside, they were dead. I'm afraid too many of us are looking good on the outside. We got things kind of put together in our life on the outside, but on the inside, we're dead. On the inside, we're, we're lifeless. On the inside, we're trying to, to figure things out. We, 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 may know, we may know the right scriptures to quote. We may know all the, all the words to the songs. We might be able to, to sing them with our eyes closed. But without the Spirit of God, there is no life. Without the Spirit of God is just religion and motions. God wants to breathe life in us today in a fresh new way. When the wind begins to blow, things are gonna to begin to change. Look what it says in verse nine. Then he said to me, because they were dead, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, come breath, come spirit from the four winds and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded and Ruach, spirit, entered them and they came to life and they stood on their feet, a vast army. Now let me just say this. There is nothing like the word of God. Nothing like the word of God. It is the authority for our lives. It gives us direction. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It speaks to us. It is alive. God will use this every day that you open it. He will speak to you through it. But can I tell you in this story, the word was not enough. In this story, the spoken prophetic word, just read it yourself, was not, it got things in order. It got bone to bone. It got things ready, but it wasn't the full story. There was more that God wanted to do for his people. Remember, he said, these bones are my people. There's more I wanna do for you. I wanna breathe on you. I wanna fill you with my breath. I wanna fill you with my spirit. So don't settle for just being put together and looking good and sitting in a row. So man, let my spirit fill you up. See, I don't think, I don't think that the devil is scared with how much scripture I can quote. I don't think the devil is scared with how many songs I know. I know the latest Maverick City Hill song, woo! I don't think the devil is scared about how many people we have sitting in our church or how many programs we have helping people out in the hurricane. But you know what I think scares the devil? What gets him running is a body of believers that is filled with the power and the presence of God moving in the spirit, praying in the spirit, living in the spirit, moment by moment by moment. That's what runs him, makes him run. Man, we're, we're talking today about, this whole series is about helping you live the extreme life, the anything but ordinary kind of life, but the only way that you and I are gonna live that is through the extraordinary person and power and presence of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, he is like the X factor, that if you don't have that, you're not gonna get the life he wants you to live. He is like, he's like, Without the Spirit, you're gonna miss out. Can I just tell you? Without the Holy Spirit reigning in your life, you're gonna lose out. You may make it to heaven. Like if you've got Jesus in your life and you've given your, you'll, you've got grace, you're gonna make it to heaven. You're just gonna be crawling and scraping to get there. Like, oh, 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 God doesn't want you doing that. 
He wants you living victorious. He wants you living on top of it, not under it, fighting for it in Jesus' name. And I know that for many Christians, when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit, it's easy to get confused. Because maybe, um, even for people that went to church, because a lot of times people go to church and the church doesn't talk much about the Holy Spirit. I mean, maybe you grew up and they tacked him onto the end of a prayer, you know. That's about all you know about the Holy Spirit. I don't even know which way you're supposed to go, left, right, right, left, I don't know. Maybe he was added into a song or he, was, uh, he got an honorable mention in a sermon one time, right? But, but who is he? And what does he wanna do in, in, my, in my life? And a lot of times I think people have a tendency to avoid the Holy Spirit because they, they're, they're, they're afraid, like they've seen weird things. They've seen something on TV that was weird. I went to this one church one time and it was weird. They were, ah, right? And I've said it before, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird, but the Holy Spirit's not weird. People do strange things and they blame the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is not strange. And I think part of the problem is we know how to imagine maybe uh, what Jesus is like. Like we've seen The Chosen, so we like, no, oh, okay, right? We've seen the movies, dark complexion, 30 years old, brown hair, got it. Heavenly Father, okay, older guy on a throne, white beard, got it, but spirit? Ruach? <laughs> Breath, wind, what is, force, like Star Wars? Woo, what, are we, what are we talking about? And I grew up, and the only version of the Bible that our pastor read when I was growing up was King James, and it was like, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. <laughs> I was freaking out as a seven-year-old. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, That's right. But can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is not someone to be afraid of. He's our comforter. He's our helper. He's a friend that sticks close with us. The Holy Spirit is not someone to be ignorant of because he's actually the one that will give you wisdom and discernment and direction. He is the spirit of truth. And he's not to be avoided just because you didn't know him growing up. And by the way, you notice I'm using the pronoun him and not it. He, he, is, an, he, is, he is fully God. He's as fully God as God, the Father, God, Son, God, Holy Spirit. And when you read the Bible and study the scriptures, he plays a critical role in the creation of new, of the birthing of new. Like I said in Genesis 1, he is the first of the Trinity that's even mentioned in, in, the, gospel, in, the, in, the, in the Word of God. Holy Spirit, the Ruach of God, right there at the, at the creation of the earth. At the beginning of the Gospels, he was there at the Immaculate Conception of Jesus. In Acts chapters one and two, it was the Holy Spirit who was responsible for the birthing of the church. See, he, he's the one that creates new. He's the one that births new life. He's the one that goes into valleys of dry bones and breathes life into them so that they can live again. That no situation is hopeless, no person is hopeless, no problem is hopeless because when the Spirit of God shows up, everything can change. You need the Holy Spirit in your life I mean, Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Before Jesus started his public ministry, what did he do? He went down to the Jordan River and was baptized by John the Baptist. And it says that he did that and the heavens opened up and the voice of God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the spirit descended upon him as he began his public ministry. And then I read 
that Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, tells his disciples, his followers, to go wait in Jerusalem. Don't try to do anything. Don't try to start anything. Don't try to start the church. Don't try to, don't do anything until you get the power of the Holy Spirit on your life because you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I read in the book of Acts where the apostles, when they would encounter people who had just received the truth of Jesus, they would say, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit and the disciples needed the Holy Spirit and the early church needed the Holy Spirit, can I tell you, you need the Holy Spirit. You need him in your life. And over the next few weeks, we're gonna be talking about the function of the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life, in our church, about the fruit of the Spirit that he produces, about the gifts of the Spirit that he wants to give to his church so his church can be powerful and dynamic on the earth today. But today, as we get started on this, because there's so much I wanted to say, like I, I have been praying about this sermon for so long, I could preach for the next two hours, but I know you don't want to stay that long. So we're going to break it up over the next couple of weeks. Today, I want you to get this one thing, that there is a power of the spirit that is available for you. If you get nothing else today from this message, I want you to know you don't have to go on your own power. You don't have to rely on your own strength. There is a power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Christ up from the dead through the Holy Spirit is available for you today. Now I just mentioned that in Acts chapter one, when Jesus, before he was gonna ascend, he told his disciples, go wait in Jerusalem and wait for the, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then he says in verse eight, that he says this, he says, and then you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That word power in the Greek is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite from. So that's the kind of power we're talking about. It's not like a little 110 volt. I mean, we're talking like, think about what dynamite's used for. Why, why would Jesus use this word? Dynamite is used to blow something up, man. Dynamite is used to, to, to bust up a mountain so you can make your way through it. Dynamite is used to change the landscape or the topography of an area. That's what dynamite does. It, it, it moves the unmovable. It changes the unchangeable. Can I tell you, that's what the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives, in your life, in my life, in our church, in our community. He wants to, to move something. He wants to breathe some life into some dead bones. But don't miss this. This power is for you. The Holy Spirit is for you. But he's not gonna force himself on you. No, he's gonna, if you don't, if you're like, oh, then he's gonna say, okay, well, good luck. No, no, you, you've, gotta, you've gotta invite him in. You've gotta give him permission to come into every area of your life and fill you with his presence. See, on our own, we end up right here. Like this pile of, of, of dry bones and a valley of discouragement and, and, and defeat. We come to the end of our own resource, our own, own power, but we remember, even if you're here today, you can pause and remember, wait a minute, I don't have to stay here today. I actually can rely, I don't have to rely on my own power, on my own abilities. There is a, there's a power source, an eternal power source, a supernatural power source that will forever supply me with everything that I need. So how do you do it? How do you access this power? Well, a couple weeks back, we met with all of our dream team um, 
our volunteer teams at all of our campuses. And we met here and up in Port St. Lucie. It was a great night. And one of the scriptures I shared was out of Ephesians chapter five. Port St. Lucie, those of you that gathered up there, you missed it. Sorry, the feed dropped out. The enemy attacked the feed, the fiber feed. But I got it for you today. Here's what it says. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. I could stop there, but I won't. But instead, say the rest with me out loud. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine because if you're filled up with wine, that will ruin your life. But Paul says instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the same way that a person who is inebriated is filled with a substance that overrides their natural ability. It overrides their natural way of doing life. It overrides their natural way of talking. (laughs) Of thinking. It overrides the normal pattern of how they move. Paul says, that's the picture. That's what I want you to see today. Is that when you are under the influence of the Spirit of God, He will actually change the way you think. He will actually change what you see. You will no longer just see with human eyes, you'll begin to see with spirit eyes because you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. He'll change the way you talk. He'll change the way you walk. You know what, we're gonna be talking about being spirit-filled and what it means to be spirit-filled and what that looks like in a believer's life. But let me tell you, it'll change you. He will change you. His presence will change you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is an instruction to believers. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot not be filled with the Holy Spirit to be a follower. This is what Paul's saying. And don't miss this, it's in the present tense, which means it's an ongoing, daily, moment by moment throughout the day, continually being filled with the presence of God. And we're gonna talk about why it's continual, uh, maybe next week, but, but get right now that it is a continual, a better translation would be, keep on being filled with. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you may say, Todd, well, how do I do that? Well, in just a minute, I'm gonna lead you in a very simple prayer. It's not complicated, but it's powerful. It's a prayer that I not only try to pray every day, but multiple times throughout the day. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Fill my mind with your thoughts. Fill my soul with your presence. When I'm feeling weak, would you be my strength? When I don't know which way to go, would you give me direction and wisdom and discernment? Help me to see with spirit eyes. When I'm feeling tempted, would you be my fortress against the attack of the enemy? Would you build a shelter around me? I run and I I, I hide behind you, spirit of the living God. Come, Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. How often do you pray to the Holy Spirit? Many people pray to God. I grew up learning how to pray to Jesus, but no one really taught me how to pray to the Holy Spirit. Yet, 
If Jesus promises that he's the one that will be our comforter and our helper, and, and he's the one that Jesus said in John 16, 13, that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Don't you think you better talk to him? Have a conversation. See, one of the secrets I've learned of staying continually filled with the spirit of God is keeping a continual conversation with the spirit of God all through the day. Yes. Just constantly communicating with the spirit. He is my closest companion. Even beyond Julie, sorry, Julie. He, he's one that is constantly there for you, wants to be, guiding you, helping you, protecting you, giving you discernment, speaking to you, guiding you, convicting you. It's all his work in our lives, but you've got to say, come Holy Spirit, I give you freedom to do that. I, I want you to have your way in me. So I want to pray a prayer today. And I want to pray that the Ruach of God, the breath of God would fall on you today, blow over your heart today, that if there are any dead places in you, I'm gonna ask you again, can those dry bones live in your life, those, those dried up places? Maybe where faith has dried up a little bit, where, where hope has dried up a little bit, where you've stopped praying for something, you've stopped dreaming. Are you ready to say, come Holy Spirit, fill me today. Put my heart on fire for you today. Fill me with your hope and your life today. Now some of you, as we pray that prayer, maybe you've never prayed that before. And you're gonna pray for the very first time, come Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. Todd, what's going to happen? I don't know. Many things, different things happen for different people. But you accept it by faith in the same way when you prayed to ask Christ in your life, you accepted his grace by faith. Spirit, I accept you by faith. Fill me. Some of you have prayed that prayer before, but if you were honest, there are areas of your life that you have not given over to the Holy Spirit. Areas of your thought life, certain attitudes you're holding on to, could be even in your finances. You just kind of areas, you just go, time. And you're just gonna say, come Holy Spirit, fill every place, every area. And the second prayer that we're gonna to pray today is actually the, the most important prayer. If you've never given your life to Jesus, the only way that you'll ever experience the Spirit of God and the power of God is first through accepting what Jesus did for you on the cross. And the only way of coming to God is through what he did on the cross. And so I'm gonna lead you in a prayer to start that relationship with Jesus. And if you've never started that relationship or it's not where it, you wanted it to be today, then, then you're gonna follow me in that prayer and you're gonna say, yes, Jesus, be Lord of my life today. I want you to know, Julie and I love you so much and we are praying for you this season, praying that this month you will experience the breath of God over your life like never before. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word that brings us to you and helps us see and understand. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our pathway to help us know what we need. And today you've revealed to us that we need your spirit more than anything. We need your spirit to breathe on us. We need to be filled with constantly your Holy Spirit. Right where you're seated, if you just open your hands up in a receiving posture as we pray this next prayer, would you just pray after me? Come Holy Spirit. Just say that out loud, come Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would fill each person here today with your presence and your power. For those for the first time that are opening them up, opening themselves up to your spirit, spirit of God, move in their life. 
For those who've been holding back an area, I pray that God today, you would speak to them about that area, Holy Spirit, that you want to, to speak to them about. And if he shows you an area, just surrender that to him and say, Holy Spirit, you get to come in that place. You get to have authority there. In my thoughts, in my attitudes, in my mouth, my words. With every head bowed, we'll continue to pray. If, if you're here today and you say, Todd, I need that, that second prayer, that prayer of making my life right with Jesus. If that's you today, I'm gonna pray this prayer. And if you would say, Todd, include me in this prayer that I'd make my life right with Christ today. Right where you are, would you just raise your hand up? Let me know, let me know that you, letting God know that you're inviting Jesus into to your heart right now. Yeah, hold him up high all over the rooms today. We're gonna pray this together, all of us out loud. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person from the inside out and I will follow you the best I know how. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.